Welcome to Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm Youngmi Mayer. And I'm Brian Park. And today we're just going to talk about our feelings. We don't have a guest. It's a solo episode. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which our listeners really like. We're always self-conscious about it, but then they do great. So you do like us, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Back to our OG roots. Talking about ourselves and yes. feeling ashamed about it, but pretending that we're not. <laughs> Fake it till you make it. <laughs> you know, we've had a string of amazing guests on this podcast, but this week, Young Me and I wanted to kick it old school back to our roots and check in and talk about our feelings. So this episode is <laughs> going to be a little loose, but it's going to be raw as always. Raw dog, uh, <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> um, but before we do so... Let's do some Patreon shoutouts, Young Me. Yeah. And I'm so sorry for people that are waiting for your shout out. We're really backed up. We're gonna try to we're gonna try to like re reorganize this so it goes faster. Yeah. We might need to we'll drink to some some of that deer antler juice that your mom would give you when you were a kid and oh it my makes God. you diarrhea. <laughs> hanyak is so intense. My like my cousin was like sort of short and they gave her yeah. hanyak. And she literally gained like 50 pounds over the summer. <laughs> but she's still like 4'11". And she was so mad. <laughs> <laughs> Hanyak literally translates to Korean Chinese medicine. Chinese medicine. Chinese oh, yeah. medicine. It's just, mm. I feel like all Asian countries have a variation of it where it's in a pouch and it's a brown liquid that tastes like shit. And it does it magical so things. Bad. I'm going to talk about this on the episode, actually. I have a lot of things to say about Hanyak. So but after our Patreon we, shout outs. But what Young Me and I are saying is that we need to inject some of that weird, not weird, we need to inject some of that Asian antidote potion into our Patreon. You're like <laughs> describing it like a white food writer. What is this weird brown liquid that Asians drink? It's stinky. That's how white people talk about Asian food. I see a great business idea where we can elevate it for the Western palate. <gasps> oh my God. Well, let's just, can we? Like, I don't know. we invented gonna, this thing. It's called... Oh, God. <laughs> it needs a really white name. But if you like the podcast, please support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash feelingasian. Uh, read it. You get the gist. But any donation amount gets you a shout out on the podcast where we guess who you are based on your name alone. And Young Me... And we, we will get I to think. you eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Without further ado, our first shout out for this episode goes out to Daviana San Miguel. Daviana San Miguel sounds very Daviana sexy. San Miguel. I have yeah. a feeling that she lives in San Diego. That's my psychic vibe, San Diego vibes. Mm. You're too good for San Diego, though. Whoa, that's very specific. San Diego vibes. I don't know I'm why. Getting... I just got it. No, I think you're spot on. She, right? I'm going to, I'm going to add to that lives in San Diego, based in San Diego, but she has a job that makes her travel a lot, which yeah. she enjoys. I was seeing and that. She, and she spends roughly half of the year in the air, but she's the really hot businesswoman who's in those hotel bars. And she's like, I'm Deviana and she's single and yes. she just, she gets it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> she's like the hot hotel bar businesswoman. Business people. Yeah. She's like, she's like travels internationally, not like to like Toledo. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> she's, in, so she's in Singapore and yes. another rich, hot businessman is like, so what are you, are you here for business or pleasure? And she's like, I'm Deviana. I'm here for both. Both. <laughs> yes, I think that's spot on. Well, Deviana, keep doing you. Thank you for donating to the Patreon. Our next shout out goes out to Anna Lisa Evangelista. Evangelista, such a hot name. Is that that supermodel that has that's that last super, name? Yeah, I was going to say. Anna Lisa Evangelista. Yeah. Mm, yes, related. This Annalisa's Evangelista, you're a model. You can't be a, model, model <laughs> like, names, model vibes. I, I don't. You can't be a customer experience lead with a name Annalisa Evangelista. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to customer leads or whatever that job is. Um, right. I have a oh, feeling. No, this that, is yeah. see of Annalisa Evangelista. That's the type of name where I'm standing in line in front of you. 
at a restaurant and I say, hey, how long is it going to be for a table for two? And oh, they God. tell me, it's going to be 30 minutes. And I'm like, what the fuck? There's a table right there. And then Annalisa Evangelista is like, how long is it going to be for a table for two? And they're like, right this way, ma'am. <laughs> and I'm going to be upset. <laughs> Brian gets all mad. Exactly. She definitely gets cut in front of Brian at restaurants, for she sure. Gets the, she gets she cuts the line every time, wherever she goes. But I cut you off. I'm, what were you going to say? Oh, I was saying that my vibe is that this person is not Asian, but she is dating an Asian person, which I feel oh. like makes up a, a, a percentage of our listeners. Okay. Right? And so she... Yes. She's a, wow. Look at her. Super hot. Also listens to the podcast to better understand her Asian partner. Who is also an Asian model. They're (laughs) traveling the world together. And then everyone hate watches their Instagram because they're both super hot and make money traveling. Yeah. (laughs) We're jealous. I'm jealous. I do follow this really hot uh, Asian model on TikTok and she's like, she's super hot and she has like this like other hot Asian girlfriend. I wonder if this is them. Fantasizing. (laughs) Well, thank you for your donation, Annalisa. And our last shout out goes out to... Corey Fetter. I don't know. I've, ooh, the, I'm getting the... This is a male Corey, I think. My sister's name is Corey, which I think oh, is really? kind of uncommon for women. Yeah, but I feel like this is a... I'm getting a, like Limp biscuit front singer vibes <laughs> from this person. <laughs> Do you like know what I mean? Fred Durst? Yeah, Fred Durst vibes. <laughs> Backwards hat. Yeah, but you're saying even in contemporary 2021... Yes. He is... Oh, Wow. You see, I feel like that that archetype of person has evolved because being a Fred Durst type Limp Bizkit guy is a relic of the early 2000s where I feel like the 2021 version of Limp Bizkit is just a dude who's really into Mumford and Sons and Kings of Leon. Like they've evolved. Like if they were... If they were the age they I are see. today, but in 2004, yeah. they would be wearing baggy jean shorts with a backwards Yankees hat. But because like we're in 2021, like that in high school. yeah. <laughs> but because it's 2021, they're wearing skinny jeans with like a wide brim hat. <laughs> I like how I like how your reference for 2021 is like eight years eight years passe. So you're like Mumford and Sons. Kings of Leah. That was like almost 10 years ago that that was in Brian. Skinny jeans. You're like in 2021, this person's living in 2010. (laughs) I think that's representative of how uncool I am in 2021. I'm like, yeah, Yeah. he's hip in 2021. He's wearing American apparel hoodies. (laughs) (laughs) He's so cool. That's so funny. Because I feel like the Fred Durst look is now high fashion. It's like ironic, like 19-year-olds are dressing like that. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like and they're all so hanging old. out at like Russian samovar in Midtown. <laughs> I don't even know what that reference is, but I'm sure it's 10 years passe. <laughs> oh, no, you're going to get hit in the DMs and people are going to tell you that my reference was on point. Spot on? Okay. Spot on. I don't on. know where the cool the cool bars are. I don't even know. <laughs> I learned it. I learned about it in a TikTok. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Um, in any case... Corey, keep rocking that red Yankees flat brim and being like Fred Durst because we need people like you in 2021. Everyone, thank you for supporting the podcast. And once again, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com slash feeling Asian. Yeah. Now that our shout outs are out of the way, young me, solo dolo, us two, OG roots. How yeah. are you feeling? Oh God, how am I feeling? Um, I am feeling like... I feel like during this time of summer, usually I get in this like sort of floaty summertime sadness, depression thing where it feels like life is going nowhere and nothing is happening. Especially August always hits me really hard. I feel like August is like my big depression month. Um, (laughs) Nice. Because it it feels like the (laughs) overripe fruit of the year month, you know, like where it's like your peak end of summer, everything's just over ripe too too much drinking right. too much fun too much nice weather suntanned you're over the beach 
You know too what I mean? Too much like, getting railed in a sundress. Too much getting railed in a sundress. <laughs> you know, everything's like rotting on the vine, you know? Oh. And then I also get depressed about winter coming and I'm just like, fuck, you know? So those feelings are sort of almost starting. I think I'm still in like peak fun time summer and things just feel like, I don't know, like, there's so many things that are on the horizon that I'm looking forward to, like the like the live show. And yeah. I think we're, we're going to have a bunch of them in the future because they sold out, you know, the, the first one sold out so fast. Yeah, but I think it's just like the time of the year where everything just feels like, oh, like, what is life even, you know? It's interesting that you are aware of... I guess because it's cyclical for you that you know what's around the corner. Because usually when I'm August, having yeah. the most fun and indulging in the most hedonism, it doesn't even, I don't have the foresight to know how I'm going to crash after that. Like when I've taken too much Molly, all I want is more <laughs> Molly. Not like I'm going to feel yeah. like shit tomorrow, you know? Yeah. No, I feel like I, because I do suffer from depression that is like very bad. I have, mm-hmm. I've like learned um, to prepare for certain situations and August seems to be one of those. It's always like one time in the winter it'll happen <laughs> and one time around August. So hopefully maybe it won't happen, but. <laughs> Our listeners are going to be like, yep, that checks out. This happened in episode 35. <laughs> and and I, yeah. 52, two August. weeks later. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also like I had, I'm just like so, maybe this is what I want to talk about. I'm so over social media. I'm so over it, Brian. It's just so, I'm happy that I feel like I'm in a place where I understand it's not real enough that I can live my life. But it's like yeah. every every fucking day. I Like sometimes I post this on like the comments and the DMs that I get are I don't, I don't think it's healthy and natural for anybody to have to interact with these many fucking idiots on a daily basis. It's not, obviously not natural. Like thousands of fucking idiots talking to me, saying mean fucking shit, weird fucking shit. Some, most of it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's just so unnatural feeling. And I know obviously it's not natural because we're like, primates were meant to live in groups of 30 and maybe talk to two of them a day or whatever. You're not, yeah. you're not, your brain isn't like capable of processing 1,013 year olds saying weird fucking shit to you all day long. Do you know what I mean? And right. it's just like, I'm just like, oh, like I feel like I, I'm at a place where I can just like turn it off and like walk away. But I'm just like, oh. and then there's a part of me where I'm like, you know, like I developed this like social media presence. It's like this, um, it's a perform, you know, like I talk about this all the time. It's like a performance and I need to keep it up. You know what I mean? Like that's like, and, I, and I'm getting like work from it, which is what's really nuts. Like I'm getting money from this now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But it's just like, it's, fuck. No, you're right. Our, I don't think our brains are meant to handle this much noise and chatter and stimulation. And I commend you for it because that is why I don't post on social media very often is because I know that it has a detriment to my mental health. Like I, too much of myself worth becomes tied up to the performance metrics of posts. And this Mm. was when I was posting a lot and I didn't like that. I would Mm -hmm. like make or break my day. If uh, an idea I had, if it did well or not on social media but I think yeah. you talking about this is topical and relevant, especially today, because as we all know, like Simone Biles pulled out mm. of the Olympics. Now, yeah. she mentioned that she pulled out because of um, like the, it was called the twisties, like in gymnastics, yeah, yeah. like where she felt disoriented. Yeah. And but then, you know, Naomi Osaka before that pulled out. And yeah. I think that. And don't get me, I'm not like making myself out to be a perfect person because I, I've i been, like when they did pull out, I was a little bit critical and I was like, why are we celebrating this? Like, it seems odd. Like, I think if you 
need time, like that's great. You should take time away. I don't think the criticism is warranted. I think it's mm. fucking terrible. Like all these people are criticizing them for pulling out to preserve their mental health. But at the same time, I was definitely of the camp of like, I also think it's equally strange to be so celebratory and like, you're amazing for pulling out. And I just felt like it's a neutral thing. I think it's mm. great that you're normalizing um, the discussion around mental health. But you know what? Hearing you, like in this very moment, hearing you vocalize like the challenges that you're experiencing, even as like a profession, like you're a content creator. This is yeah. what's happening. Yeah, it's real. Like I, I feel dumb acknowledging this now, Bro. but like being a yeah. pro athlete today yeah. must is like 10,000 times harder than it has ever been because not only do you have to be good at your sport and your yeah. athleticism, like this thing, mm -hmm. which is like, I am singularly good at this one sport. But on top of that, being known for anything outside of social media, you're immediately thrust into social media world and you have to deal yes. with a million voices being like, you're such a piece of shit. Like, how did you not land dude, that? How did you dude. miss that? And I'm like, fuck. And it's even coming from journalists. Yeah. yeah. See, this is the thing. Like, I am a nobody compared to like Simone Biles, but she, I can't even imagine. There, there's nothing protecting you and from these millions like, of and idiots. And they're 20 years old. Yeah. They're so There's nothing young. protecting you when you're a celebrity from millions of idiots throwing in their worthless two cents. You're just inundated. I can barely handle this. I can't imagine. And then I also think it's important to point out that Naomi and Simone are both black women. And we all know that what they're getting is, you know, a bunch of idiots saying stuff about their performance or whatever, but they're also getting endless, endless racist, fucked up misogynist shit because I get that. I get yeah. that endlessly. The level of like what they're seeing as black women, I can't even fucking imagine the stupid shit that they're hearing. And they, right, right. there's no protect, there's no, nothing protecting them from that. And they have to see it every day. I can't imagine what that would do to my mental health. And I think I'm glad you brought this up because I think those things are related. Like everyone's like, oh, why are these like pro athletes now like needing mental health days or need to tap out because of mental health? I'm like, because like 50 years ago, we we would assume that there were shitty people in the world, but we weren't inundated with the stupid shit that they were saying. Yeah. Like Simone has to see that shit all day, every day. And that's like right. fucking, that would fuck anybody up to see thousands, <laughs> probably even like hundreds of thousands of shitty, weird, racist messages a day. Who the fuck can even process that? That would fuck every, anybody up, you know? 100%, 100%. It's so crazy that, and not to sound mean, but like yeah. being on social media at this level now, I can't believe how stupid people are. It's like the <laughs> shit that makes <laughs> the, shit, the shit that makes me mad, Brian, isn't isn't even like when people say like offensive, like sexist, racist things to me. I'm like, okay, that's just you're just offensive. But the shit sometimes people say, I'm like, you are so stupid. Like you should not be allowed to have access to like your information's wrong and yeah. you're loud. And I'm just like, I can't, I don't have the time to like sit here and educate a bunch of people's like children, but like, whoa, this is kind of scary. And they don't even actually know who I am, you know? Like at the end of the day, right. no one. It's not real. It's just not real. Yeah. People are so lonely and sad. And now I'm like, why am I interacting with this lonely man? And like, I'm like, I feel bad for him, but like, why am I doing this? You know, like just right. blocked, right? It's mental health crisis. We should not have ever in invented the internet. I'm sorry. <laughs> um... Anyway, so that's all, that's all I'm thinking about. And, you know, it sounds like such a, like, it sounds embarrassing and not important. Like, oh, the stupid, stupid internet. Like, it sounds really embarrassing. But just think about all the people that we know that has have been affected so negatively by this. You know, like, we all know, like, our parents, friends that are obsessed with Facebook and then they get angry at Biden supporters all day and, you know, things like that. Like... Right. 
yeah, it, it really has like affected so so many of us in a negative way. It's like, it is like a crisis, I think. Brian's like, I have a, I don't know what you're talking about. I have a life. I like play tennis. No. And I'm dating. <laughs> I'm like, I'm arguing with teenagers on TikTok, Brian. Um, <laughs> I'm fighting the teens on our Feeling Asian podcast TikTok. I'm fighting the good fight while you're playing fighting. tennis. You fucking bitch. <laughs> and then, oh, and then, you know, I'm on TikTok a lot now because it's like just the way to like I see these like TikTok creators this is so embarrassing but you know what this is my life <clears throat> I see these like TikTok creators that I like and that are very famous like they have mm-hmm. you know millions of TikTok TikTok famous followers and they all spiral at one point and get taken down do you know what I mean? Because there's so, oh no. like, it's like, it's like Twitter, like the big people on Twitter eventually all get found out and get canceled because they just get so into this like arousal World. mode where they're saying fucked yeah. up sh- Yeah. And I'm like, oh shit, I got to really step away from this. <laughs> I can't become a TikTok person. Yeah. I think you've crossed that line. You are fully TikTok. I have to say is that I will always what's important and I feel like if anyone's listening to this and they are using social media a lot I think it's very important to step away and just have a real life and go out and meet people because I feel like a lot of people don't do that and that's where they their reality gets skewed so if you're on social media too much go out meet that guy who says he made a drawing for you and it's a deviant art Sonic the Hedgehog sex photo Brian you don't need to fucking you don't need to tell everybody my business okay forgot that was a Patreon exclusive yeah if you want to hear the whole story check out our Patreon exclusive episode you don't need to tell the the people on Maine my business Yeah, I'm my sorry. my um my advice to you is go out and touch some grass, as the kids say. <laughs> How are you feeling, Brian? Uh, a bit different from you. I'm feeling a whole bunch of shit. So mm. I'm gonna try my best to keep it organized because there's mm-hmm. random things that I've been feeling and thinking about since my time in uh, Texas visiting my family. I'm back in New York mm-hmm. now. Um, feel free to chime in here, young me, because I feel like you have a little bit more experience than me when it comes to life. Um, mm-hmm. you're a little, you're a little bit older than me, but you know, you, you have a kid, you were once married. And, um, so first things first is it was really sad when I left Texas because the main reason why I went there was to visit my relative who is, um, suffering from Alzheimer's and, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I cried a lot and I'm, it just makes me really sad thinking about um, like when we said goodbye to each other. I have a fear that the next time I see them, mm. they won't be able to recognize me at all anymore. Mm. And mm-hmm. um, it was really, really difficult to say goodbye because mm. um, and they and they were crying a lot too and uh, yeah, it just made me, yeah, it made me really sad. Like, I don't, mm. I, I have a hard time even saying it because I don't want it to become true, but um, I just really hope that they'll be able to still remember me the next time I see them. So there was that. The other thing that I've been thinking about is living in New York for the past seven years and then mm-hmm. going back home to Texas, Texas is very different. It's a much slower pace of life. Mm. Priorities are a bit different. The generalizations, they're true both ways. I think a lot of people come to New York because they're drawn to the energy, the hustle, like this is the place to make your dreams happen. People like rubbing shoulders with like other ambitious people. And Mm -hmm. you come to New York and you're willing to make a certain level of sacrifice in order to make these dreams happen. That's part of what makes it so romantic is you're like willing to live in this tiny shithole apartment, but Mm -hmm. you're also hitting the pavement and doing what you want to do. And hopefully you can make like create this life that you've envisioned in your mind. Where in Texas, people do get married very young and Mm. they have like 
when I see other people my age in Texas, they're mm-hmm. at such a wildly different, their life is mm-hmm. could not be more different from the life that I've created for myself here in New York. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I met this 30-year-old in El Paso okay. for the first time there. Um, it was like business related for my family. And okay. we got to know him and he was like, yeah, like I have two kids. I got married to my wife Whoa. when I was tw- when I was 20. But wow. you know, he's he seems so happy. And mm. like for me personally, I know that I want to have a family one day. That's yeah. there's no doubt in my mind. Like mm-hmm. I I I I want that for myself and mm-hmm. I've always felt that this concept of growing up or like getting older, I've always mm. felt that it would just sort of happen like very organically. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I yeah. just exist and time passes and it's all suddenly going to just come together, you know, like yeah. I'm suddenly going to be a fully fledged adult. And yeah, uh, I don't know. That's like something I've just been thinking about on my last trip is that maybe I'm misinformed about that concept in general mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I don't know if it's, uh, I've gotten older in New York and maybe it's a sprinkle of jadedness, but I feel like in New York, I'm in this age now where it can go like one of two ways. And I'm in my early thirties where yeah, I think in New York there is, you can live a lifestyle of arrested development if, mm-hmm. the, if you choose to do so. And it's like because Peter Pan I, syndrome? Don't they call it that? Right. Yeah. yeah. And because I see that, and maybe this is true at other metropolitan cities in America. Mm-hmm. Um, I know all, not all of our listeners reside in New York, but it isn't uncommon for me to engage with and speak to a 40-year-old yeah. man or like a 45-year-old man who like doesn't have a family and is very single and lives a very... Uh, bachelor lifestyle in New York. Mm-hmm. Like, because I have that exposure, it's then in my brain that it isn't, that it it's isn't an alternative. Weird. It is an option. Yeah, yeah. It isn't weird. Yep. Where, yeah. like, uh, going to a place like Texas, it is very odd to meet someone who lives that kind of lifestyle. And for yeah. someone like- Like your for lifestyle. Someone, it's weird. Yeah. Right. For Texas. And, yeah. And because I have this- uh, this goal in my mind, like I have this goal of wanting to have a family one day. I'm acutely aware now how these markers or these things that I've so, like for so long, I thought that they just sort of happened. Like, uh, like mm. th- these like markers of growing up, like I'm, this is, I'm embarrassed to admit this. Maybe I'm realizing this so much later than other people, but they're mm-hmm. all like very deliberate choices. That's how I feel now. Yeah. 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 Like you, it's like, Mm -hmm. it's like dating for instance, you know? Yeah. I know there's people approach it in many different ways, but I feel like in New York, because there are so many options available to people, like if you wanted to, you could very easily be single for your entire duration in New York because Um, there's just, their supply pool is just unlimited. Now, unlimited. Especially for men, because we I know so many men in New York that literally get married and have kids in their 50s. Like that is not uncommon here. Right. And so after a certain point, I realized even my dating were like, oh, I have to be conscious and this is a choice I have to make. Like if I'm going mm-hmm. to be committed to someone, it's not just going to happen. I have to make a, a conscious effort to be like, I'm going to commit myself and invest myself in this relationship. And... I'm strangely just now, like after this trip, that's what's left in my mind of like that, this, yeah. that principle applies to even other aspects of life where it's like, oh, I'm going to make a concerted effort to be quote unquote more of an adult for lack of a better word. Yeah. Like I'm not going to go out as much because I want to reallocate that time towards this quote unquote more adult thing yeah. where I kind of just assume that that like, 
happen. It would happen. I don't know. Is, is this, yeah. Is this, no, not, does this that, make sense? That, yes. Because I, I feel like as an adult, you realize that you do feel like you're kind of a passenger and life just happens. Like, you know, even with dating, you're like, I'm going to get married when the one walks into my life and I'm going to know and I'm going to marry that person. It, it doesn't it doesn't occur to you when you're younger that no, that's a choice. Like you're going to be with somebody and you're going to get to the point where you're going to choose to marry them or break up with them. It, you know, like it's almost like you think that things are just going to happen to you, but you are the driver, right? Is that what right. you're saying? Like you're, you think yeah, you're the passenger, totally. but you're the driver. Yeah. Because we're in a career where it does feel so capricious and like it goes with the wind, you know, like yeah, we yeah, do this comedy yeah. thing where like, yeah. You kind of just go with the flow and sometimes like the iron gets hot and that's when you need to like strike, you know? Yeah. Like there's a mm -hmm. momentum to our careers. But aside mm -hmm. from that, there really isn't a singular track in the way there is for other careers where you're like, I'm going to work yeah. for X amount of years. I'm going to get a promotion mm -hmm. and this is the track yeah. that I'm on. And my dad would always tell me in, in Korean, it's called like te. He would always tell me like, like there is, there is a timing for things. And I would, mm -hmm. that would make me so prickly and mm. upset because it conflicted with my go with the flow mentality that I had, mm -hmm. like living a, as a creative in New York and being like, yeah. what are you talking about? Stop imposing this like unnecessary expectation on me. I'm going with the mm. flow. There's no way to predict these things. But yeah, I've just, I feel like I've, I'm changing. And those words are resonating with me deeply now where I, I'm realizing like, maybe that there is truth to what my dad has to say. Like, I don't want to be, this 40 year old bachelor living in New York, like living, like I, for people, some people that's great. You know, we see there's popular so media figures. So many men are okay with that. Who are like that. In New York. Yeah. Right. And, um, but I know personally for me, like I don't want that. And yeah. go, it's not just going to happen organically. Yeah. Like I know the there's a timing. I'm in my thirties. There's a timing for certain things. And I believe there's a timing to act in, in accordance. To, like there's a timing to act a certain way. And, yeah. uh, that's just how I'm feeling. I don't know if it's like putting this weird pressure on myself to be a certain way, but I don't know if it's unhealthy. I think there is. Well, also, yeah. Also, I feel like looking at it through the lens of, oh, it's a choice and I'm the driver in my life is actually, is actually helpful because <clears throat> let's say <clears throat> there's so many people, I feel like for women, it's a little different, like, because if they want children, the biological clock thing says 35, right? Yeah. And so if you were a woman, like there would, you were 31, there would be this like stress. If I need to have, if I want a baby, even if, I don't even know if I want one or not, but I have to have one in the next four years. Like that's how so many women my age or like your age think. And that's like yeah. this really big pressure on them. And that's the main difference between, I think people that live in New York that are, you know, like cishet men and women, because <laughs> for men, they, they don't have that pressure. Like maybe I do want a kid when I'm 50 and a lot of men do that here. Right. Um, so, yeah. but I, but I think that re telling yourself that it, the art choices is actually helpful because like, let's say you do actually really want to get married uh, mm -hmm. and you really want to have a kid or whatever, or you really want to have this kind of career. I think it's helpful because then you realize that it's not actually out of your hands. It is in your hands. Like if that's very important to you, you can make the choices and decisions for those things to happen in your life. Right. Right. Like, right you posted this thing on your Instagram story that was related to what's been going on in my head and what I just expressed where someone like commented on a TikTok you made when saying like, you shouldn't be posting this much. Like you should go have a lot, like go start a family. And I'm, you said like, you're, you're, too, old? You, you're too old for this. Yeah. And uh, you said that, excuse me, sir. Like I already did that. Like I got married young, I have a kid, I'm divorced and now I'm free, which is fucking hilarious. But like, you know, you, you, there is truth to that though. Like you had a, 
you had yeah. that like version of a life relatively yeah. young, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I got it out of the way. It's not like a burden, pressures but, of society. You know. Well, I mean, it is kind of because the truth is, most people probably don't want to get. I'm not. I'm not saying. Let's say fifty percent probably don't want to get married. I would say yeah. fifty. You know, that's just fair. Probably sure. not. I'm just pulling a number out of my ass. Let's say fifty percent of people don't want to get married, and fifty percent of people don't want children. Whatever, whoever. But no matter what, society, there is pressure for people to get married and have children, whether you want to or not. And if you don't, people are going to keep bringing it up. Whoever you, whatever culture you are, whether you're Asian or not. And so it's almost like we all feel like we have to do that, especially, you know, like women who are like, I have to do it by 35. And to to not have that pressure is like very... Great, it's very nice for me. I have to say, do you know what I mean? Mm, like, I don't, yeah, I don't totally. know what what sort of mental state I would be in if I was thirty six and I had never been married and I didn't have a child. I think, right. knowing what I know now, I would feel like I should be happy and okay with it. But if I didn't have it, then I would feel like I was letting my family down and like everyone. Da- do you know what I mean? Like, I would feel societal pressure. So, to your point, like, yeah, I do hear that myself from my relatives and stuff. They're like, oh, you should get married. When are you going to get married? And again, before that would make me upset because it's imposing this like timeline or this pressure on me. Or now it doesn't really bother me when they say that because it is in line with what my goals are. Like I do want to have a family one day and yeah, you're right. right. Like I probably should get married. I would love to get married sooner rather than later because there are disadvantages that come with getting, getting married late. If you have children late, like when they're college age, like I don't want to be super old because I want to be able to have like certain experiences with them while I'm still young, you know, relatively. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. there was a lot of that happening for me because and I don't know, maybe I, I almost, in a sense, like realized how immature I was just mm. like, because I'm so, I'm naturally very uh, rebellious against authority, even though right. I may not present that way. But if anyone like instructs me to do something or is in a position of power, my natural impulse to be like, fuck you, no. who are you? Yeah, me, like, me too. Same. Like, yeah, who, yeah. who are you to tell me what's what to do? And yeah. I had a moment like that where my dad on the day that I uh, had to leave Mm -hmm. uh, he's not without his shortcomings like when he tries to teach me things or impart certain lessons he can be quite abrasive about it like the Mm -hmm. language isn't very soft it's can be somewhat um, passive very passive aggressive and I think he has he can have a tendency to notice like certain shortcomings within himself and then displace it onto yeah. uh, my sister and me. Right, and then when they see it, it in you. Like yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, like I then will, will retort or have these arguments of like, why are you getting mad at me? Like, mm-hmm. you're, like you do this very thing that you're getting mad at me about. Mm, yeah, yeah. Know? I feel and, like that's a common thing in parents. And I had this like discussion with him where it comes like family's super important in- yeah. Uh, Korean family structures. I can't speak for like all Asian families. I'm going to assume it's very similar where there is like a hierarchy and there are just certain behaviors that you need to do. And so Mm -hmm. while I was back home, um, my dad was disappointed in me because I, I, he was upset that it was still, he took this as a sign that I still was immature and I had Mm. some growing up to do where Mm -hmm. I should have on my own volition told my dad like, Hey, now that I'm home, I should probably go say hello, like say hello to aunt and Mm -hmm. say that I'm here. Mm -hmm. And like, that's like a very like Korean thing. You know, like when you're in town, you have to make a point to at least like pay your respects and be like, Hi, aunt. I'm in town. Mm. I'm saying hello. How have you been? It's just the formality of the entire experience, you know? And, mm-hmm. and you know, he used, he brought up and he was like, think about it. Like, 
when your cousins don't say hello to me when they're in town, I have like a bad taste in my mouth and then I, it makes me not like them. Now, I know you're rolling I know. your eyes. I'm I, sorry, I know you're, it's Korean dad. It's so Korean. It's very Korean. And yeah. again, I, and I brought up to him and you know, now that I'm older, I'm able to have these discussions and a lot of it boils down to differences in like my American mentality and my dad, my parents, like Korean mentality. Okay. I get why you're upset. Now, yeah. there's two ways of framing this. Like, I don't understand. This was my initial response. My initial response was the the American, like, mentality in me where I was like, I don't understand why in Korean, like, society and Korean family structures, what is with this, like, expectation? Maybe, mm, wait, couldn't, you just, couldn't you just, yeah, like, couldn't you just assume that, like, no, like, your relatives aren't going to say hello to you? But then yeah, exactly. if, if, if and when they do, then it's a welcome surprise and it makes you feel good versus I'm going to be mad until mm -hmm. they say hello. And then when they say hello, it's not even going to make me that happy because that's expect that's the expectation. You well, should do that. And I brought yeah. that up to him and my dad yeah. was like, I understand like there's you that you're American, like that's a very American way of seeing things. But this is why I feel like Americans, it's too much of that, like too mm -hmm. individual. And he yeah. sincerely holds this idea. He's like, if you look at a lot of American people when they get old, yeah. they're so lonely. He's like, you, they, they die yep. alone. Like their kids yeah. don't really take after, like look after them. They're, mm -hmm. they're just like by themselves. And yeah. He's like, I think those, th he's like, what harm does it do though? Because even if there is that expectation and you're begrudgingly going to, you're doing this out of a formality, it's mm -hmm. always nice to do that, isn't it? That's true. If you look on paper yeah. and I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. Like, I it get, is a I, it I is get a what nice he's saying. Thing. Yeah. But that's like, so I get it. In yeah. In Korea, they like, there's nunchi, like where you're supposed to do the right thing without anyone telling you, right? That's a big part of yes. culture. Nunchi, like you have to pick up on it without them telling you. And if they tell yeah. you, that's rude. But the, right. but I think the issue with that is from me growing up in Korea, what that did to me was I was always on edge because I was always like not sure what I was supposed to be doing. And I was always being right. corrected. And that really fucked with me. And to the point where as an adult, and I see this a lot in my Korean cousins, they're always mm. so unsure and like not confident in their decisions. Because whenever they mm. do something, they don't know if it's right or wrong because they're waiting for the adult to approve or disapprove constantly. And that's so true because when my dad yeah. brought it up, uh, yeah. my, that was my initial reaction. It was like, here we How go again. I'm in trouble. This shit? Yeah. Here we are. I'm in trouble for some another thing. Like it feels like I'm walking on eggshells because it's always like that. Yeah. And so the whole yeah. I feel like that 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 part of society, I feel like there is value in knowing that you're supposed to perform certain things for your elders, but the the underside, the bad side of it is that it causes all these people to live in a state of like uncertainty. And I think we all know like, you know, like I said my Korean cousins, they're full-blown adults and they're they're always like so un unsure of every decision that they make. They're, they're like always so anxious. And right. so I, I think that there is a lot of harm that happens with that way of thinking. Also, another thing is if, if what your dad is saying is true, I, I agree like, oh, it's nice that children are always looking into making sure their parents are okay when they're older. But another side of that is if you're a parent and that's how you're parenting without ever telling your kids and they have to guess what they're supposed to do, you're basically always being disappointed. Because you're like, read my mind, read my mind, read my mind. Oh, but you didn't, you didn't, you didn't. So co you're constantly in this state of like disappointment and like, oh, you let me down again. And I just feel like, <laughs> for what reason? You know what I mean? Like, you can just, you can just tell me, you know, like, just, just right. tell me what you want from me and then I'll do it. Right? Right, right, right. I think, yeah. But that's not a, no, only totally. an Asian thing. A lot of white people, I know like a lot of people that do that. It's just, uh people that are not Asian. It's just a passive aggressive way of, of skirting confrontation and then having a reason to be disappointed. I think people like, you know, instead of just saying it directly. To tie it all together, I've, I'm, I feel like I'm embracing this idea of I'm going to, I need to make a concerted effort and a concerted choice to be more of an, like a version of an adult that I want to mm. be. 
because it's not just going to happen. Because in a place like New York, you can very easily fall into a state of arrested development. You know. Can I say, I want to say it in this way. I want to say you are <laughs> taking, you are whatever you want in life, you are like taking a more active role in uh, leading yourself into paths that will make those things happen, right? Like, can I just say one thing, Brian? Can I just say one thing about all the oh, stuff that sure. you said? Because I feel like a lot of New Yorkers have what you are experiencing. Like, I'm getting older and why didn't I marry somebody when I was 23 and have two kids and live in a house and get two cars? Sure. Like, a lot of New Yorkers like sort of think that way. And I think that there's a lot of the grass is always greener happening because there is, let's be honest, there's so many people that live in the suburbs. All they want to, the dream, their dream was to live in New York and try to become to be an a actor. DJ. A and, DJ. Uh, yeah. Become a stand-up comedian. God forbid. And like, uh, that's their dream. That's their dream. And they were too scared to do it. And yeah, maybe we're in our thirties and you were not we're struggling, but like, <laughs> but if we, if we were married and 28 years old with three kids and like fucking Texas, like that's what, that's probably what they're, they're like dreaming of your life. Do you know what I mean? Like 31 dating models on Tinder, you know, that's like a regular Wednesday night for Brian Park, you know, like, Oh, shut up. <laughs> and, the, and I have to say the kids thing, even the, cause I do have a son. So I, you know, I do live between two worlds. And when yeah. I am like in the parents world, they're mm -hmm. so miserable. My God. <laughs> they're so, like, there is nobody, nobody that is more miserable on planet Earth than, like, a 45 year old, like, Manhattan dad <laughs> at a fucking playground with his two fucking kids. Dude, they look so unhappy. I'm just like, well, just get like a divorce. Taking a call man. and getting upset yeah. about how the strike number for this bond that they signed off was two cents too high. I would just want to be like a grizzly man in the woods this at that is, point. Yeah, this is me this is me being gossipy, but I don't hang out with a lot of married married couples in New York because they're just so miserable. Um but they are so fucked up. Like my friends, my friends who my friend who's a mom, she hangs out with them and she tells yeah. me this gossip that these people these miserable people do to each other. It is next level, bro. They're cheating. They're they're punching each other's wives. It's in, it's oh like it's like way more chaotic than you ever thought. They are fully sleeping with people's babysitters and bringing them to brunch with all their friends. Like it's a hot mess. You do not want that life. I mean, maybe you do. I don't oh know. my god. But well. Uh um, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad I was able to verbalize and just kind of get these things off out of my brain. Um, yeah. hopefully, I hope it wasn't too rambly or hopefully with the listeners, like some of this stuff that I'm talking about is relatable. Uh, but on a lighter no. note, yeah. I, yeah. Um, I showed Minari to my parents yeah. Because they were like, oh, put it on, put it on. Like, we heard it's so good. It's won all these. Bro, their commentary is so savage Korean. It's what so did they funny. say? They had, they had, oh, they had a lot of commentary. So firstly, they were like, oh, that was it. It was so like, shishie. Like, shishie means like. It's so bland. It's like, so this uh, is, watered down. Like, yeah. They were like, this is it. I, I was like, yeah, wasn't it amazing? They were like, bro, this is like easy mode immigrant life, what we just saw. <laughs> they were like, our, our shit was way harder than whatever the fuck this was. And I was like, oh, damn. And then, <laughs> like, what? and I was like, it's a slice of life. And they were like, this is a movie? What's yeah. so special about this? This is just every... This was every immigrant. This was whatever. Yeah. But then, yeah. then those slice of life they, movies are so shishi though. Yeah. Yeah. And then they were like, I was like, wasn't the grandma so good? And cause she won an Oscar and they were like, honestly, she's kind of like a B list actor in Korea in this wow. movie. <laughs> and this movie really put her into the A list. And I'm like, God damn, you are so savage. <laughs> Man, Koreans really tell it like it is. They really they go way too hard, but it did make me laugh how they were like, "Yo, you don't even know. Like, you think this shit was hard? 
<laughs> wow. They're like, our, our life be like a movie for real. <laughs> I know. Sometimes I hear like my mom's stories and I'm like, whoa, what? <laughs> real life is harder. Uh, they, they can't like, even show that shit because white people will not watch it. It's too struggle. It's, it's too, too hard. Struggle. It's too They're much. They're like, no, I can't watch. This is too hard. The leprosy. <laughs> did I ever tell you my mom's leprosy story? Oh my God. Oh my God. Did I tell you this? I feel like I, yeah, I might have said it on the podcast. My, okay, I'm going to say it again in case anyone didn't hear it. It's so my mom when she was a kid. People would with leprosy would come to the house because back then they thought there was this rumor that if you ate three virgin hearts, you would be cured of leprosy. So people with leprosy would come and try to kill you when you were a child. And my mom Jesus. said that they would come to the gate and she'd be like, my mom's in, in the bathroom. Let me get her. And then they would like run away. Tell me. And that can't, no, white people can't know, watch that a, movie. Uh-uh. Right. And it's a white development executive at Paramount Pictures named John who reads it. And he's like, this is a little bit unrealistic and not, can we ground this a little bit more? Yeah, this is, no one's going to believe this. <laughs> I don't know if our viewers will be able to, uh, to, to lean into the suspension of disbelief long enough for this me, yeah. point. Let me bring this back. Let me bring this back to me, Brian. Meanwhile, I'm complaining that somebody called me old on TikTok. My mom's like, a person with leprosy tried to eat my heart. And I'm like, somebody said I was old on TikTok. Ugh. I know, I know. God, we are we have strayed so far from the light. Because meanwhile, I'm in my 30s, and my parents are like, we would really like if you got married one day. Fuck you, mom and dad. Don't impose your pressure on me. <laughs> I'm living my life in New York. I have my own timeline. <laughs> Also, I was oh, going to say God. that guy that you met in Texas that has like two kids and a wife and a house, he's yeah. probably the one messaging me through like a fake Insta, like a Finsta telling me to kill myself. I would myself. be so shocked if he was because he is <laughs> so nice. But uh, Those are knows? always Maybe. the ones. <laughs> I'm bored. I'm going to go harass somebody online. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Maybe it's all the Christians who do that. Really? For reals? Oh, uh, well, all right. I think that's it for our time. Um, yeah. Woo. That I think was we great. dove into some shit, but I'm glad I yeah. was able to get it off my chest. Listeners, if you made it this far, thank you for listening and supporting the podcast. And we have some exciting guests lined up for you in the coming weeks. So yeah. uh, get ready for that. And hopefully and, we'll be able to see if, your wonderful faces at the live show. Yeah. And also we're going to have a few more in the future. If you didn't get tickets to the live show, the live stream tickets are still for sale at caveat.nyc. Um, mm -hmm. Brian, where can our listeners find you on social media? You guys can find me on socials at it's Brian Park. And what about you, young me? Oh, YM Mayor and then young me Mayor on TikTok. Um, and then follow our our podcast page at on Instagram at Feeling Asian Podcast and TikTok at Feeling Asian Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash feeling Asian. Bye. Bye. <laughs>